Hey everyone, I am really excited for this series. I think all of us on some level are interested in this discussion. If God's out there, if there is something more, the, the divine, if the, the, the ground of our being, there's some sort of spirituality and otherness to the world, is that spirituality, that force, that God speaking? If God's there, does God speak? And then of course, the next question is like, what does it look like to listen? Uh, our text today is from 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13. And it reads this, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elisha heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elisha? This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Holy Spirit, God the Father, Lord, we just, um, we ask uh, that if there are ways that you um, want to encourage uh, family, you want to encourage um, folks just tuning in for the first time, ways that you want to um, uh, just grow our understanding of you, ways that you want to uh, correct us, um, to help us just, Lord, make sense of what it is to walk in the way of love and hope and faith, Lord, would you... Um, would you just move mightily in this space, Lord? We pray uh, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to encounter you, Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, when I teach, I talk a lot about my kids. Um, I have three little girls and there is a particular device that I've come to realize is... Um, more than just uh, the clever design of, um, of whoever it was that invented this, or um, more than just a, a nice little tool in a parent's toolkit. I've come to, to accept that this it was a, a God-given, um, spirit-inspired, anointed piece of machinery. Uh, and what I'm talking about is the sound machine. Can all the parents out there give me an amen? This sound machine, it lulls your kids to sleep. If you're unfamiliar with the sound machine or white noise, it's just this constant, maybe you choose the music option or the outdoor nature option. But for most parents I've met, they just choose the white noise. It blocks out the sound of everything. My wife can sleep. And when she gets sleep, the whole world is better. When, when my first um, baby was born, Harper, we got a noise machine. Uh, loving the noise machine, uh, my wife then decided to get one, uh, a nice new one. And then uh, Rowan, my second born, got one, and we got a, new, you got a new noise machine for her. And then Keller, another noise machine. If someone were to break into uh, our house tonight, I'm quite sure they would um, run, thinking they had broken into an airplane hangar or something. It is so loud in my house. 
So on the regular, the noise machines actually get left on. We get stuck in our morning routine. Kids wake up. They come downstairs. We're getting breakfast ready. We're getting them dressed. We're doing all the normal morning routine stuff. Uh, and then you get to this point where you don't even notice that most of the kids have left them on. Or when we went up to get the baby, we left it on. We were too tired to stoop down and turn the volume knob down. Um, we would have to stop and pay attention for just a moment to even realize that they were still on. Um, and you know what I can tell just how loud they actually are is when they actually get turned off. The silence is so loud. That off button is incredibly powerful. And we've been talking a lot over the last year uh, because I think of this the very nature of our world right now, um, how important it is to keep looking for the off button. There is just so much noise. I know for me when life gets loud, when life gets so, so loud and I, I don't know how to listen to myself, I don't know how to listen to God, I often revert to looking for God. I often revert to, to, to looking for answers uh, in signs and open doors and coincidences and information and podcasts. But as we're on the subject of hearing God, and so we're gonna talk in a minute about turning the volume down we don't want to remember in the scriptures it says that, that faith, we're told, faith comes from hearing. There's something about hearing that is incredibly important. And so I want to talk about today, like, can we really just hear God? Is he really speaking? And if so, what is he saying? So the passage that we read in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, you have Elijah, regular guy like you and me going through it hard season. If you read the context, it's, it's like a very hard season and he is desperate for God, desperate for help. He needs hope. And so then he has this sort of wild encounter. There are all of these displays of power, places where you would expect, especially those of you who may be brand new to the Christian story, you have some basic ideas in your mind of what God may or may not be like. You'd expect like God, capital G-O-D, to show up in these powerful ways. But God actually shows up in this story in a number of different places throughout the scriptures in sort of an unexpected way. So let's read the text again. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by sweet. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, uh, tore the mountains, sorry, apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elisha heard it, pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why would the creator of the universe speak like this? Why whisper? Is that the best God can do for Elijah? Isn't this part of the problem with this entire discussion? God isn't loud enough. Now, this writer um, that I've come to really love, this uh, writer named Nathan Finocchio, he says, there are two myths that bite at the very foundation of hearing God. One, he says, is that hearing God is all about me. And the other is that hearing God is all about him, all about God. And the truth is, is that it's about both, like any real conversation is. 
If a conversation is about the will and needs and wants and life of one person, it's what? What do you call that? A monologue. Yet that's how so many of us think about conversations with God. Either they're all about us with this kind of intense focus on me, God becomes sort of this genie to grant us wishes or something, or they're all about God, this kind of singular focus on theology uh, and his will that like he never really considers us. And I think both of these views are incredibly immature. God desires intimacy with you. And so it's so important as we start this collection of talks to understand that the God in Jesus, like God in Jesus through his Holy Spirit desires closeness and intimacy with you. So I wanna simply say this out of the gate if this wasn't already kind of understood. You can hear God because there is a kind of relationship that God desires. So I wanna illustrate by doing a quick glimpse of an early follower of Jesus, sort of a little character study. Uh, And the the name of this follower of Jesus, his name is John. John gives us an account of his life, uh, an account of the life of Jesus, one of the four gospels. And what's interesting about his account of Jesus is that you can connect his revelation about Jesus, i.e. his like insight about Jesus. You can connect it to his proximity and connection and intimacy with him. So first off, John was probably Jesus's best friend. At least that's how John describes it. On a number of occasions, he describes himself as the one Jesus loves. Like in other words, it was his identity. He was the last of the 12 disciples at the cross, the first one at the grave. John took care of Jesus's mother after his death at Jesus's request. John lays his head on Jesus's chest at the last supper, which was a sign of like deep, deep friendship. Uh, And in this gospel, in this account, we have the most intimate glimpses of Jesus. About 80% of the material in this book of John tells us things that the other three accounts that we have don't. We get an in-depth picture, like a transparent picture of Jesus. I say all this to point out that Jesus desires or seems to desire closeness and intimacy. And there's a connection between the proximity and knowledge of him is the reason that God is whispering because God maybe is just one step away. Maybe God speaks to us in a whisper because he's actually close to us. Maybe he doesn't need to speak any louder. When my wife um, and I start date night, when the kids go to bed and the screens get turned off and I put some Art Tatum, some jazz on and the candles come out, the noise of the world fades away and I can lower my voice and my ability to listen heightens. It's a whole new space. Because you don't shout when you're close to someone. I say all this to say, maybe God isn't the problem when it comes to hearing him. Maybe we are. I think in our minds, we often put the burden of hearing God on God himself. I don't know about you, but I would never do that with my friends or my wife or my kids. But we have a tendency to walk around with our fingers in our ears and our cognitive and spiritual like speakers on blast. And then we pray prayers like, God, speak to me. But what if he's already spoken? What if he's speaking to us now? What if we're missing the point? And we have been for a while now. It's interesting, Jesus' primary message when he walked the earth was repent 
and the kingdom of God is near. Like the rule and reign of God is near, which means the king is near. Jesus spends most of his time talking about the nearness of this kingdom. Paul says in Acts 17, one of the first accounts of the church, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, which is already epic in terms of like the history of religion. He is not served by human hands and uh, he needed, um, sorry, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Then it goes on, he says, he marked out people's appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets, Paul writes, have said we are his offspring. God is not far from any one of us. John speaks of intimacy and closeness and connection. Here at the end of this passage with Paul, we actually have this parent-child picture. To keep going with this whisper thing, like a whisper is far more powerful in my home than a raised voice. If I want to get my kids to listen, I drop my voice because a whisper invites you to lean in. A whisper is for your kids. A whisper is for your spouse. It's for those that you are most intimate with. And John, the one Jesus loves, tells us that Jesus said that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have the same kind of relationship with Jesus that John had. So the first step to hearing God clearly is saying yes to him. I just wanna pause here and say that. John writes, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God, which is simply a way of saying to, to be of God is to count him as your father, is to say yes to his grace and to his love. And when we do this, we apparently receive the Holy Spirit, which John writes, will dwell with you and will be with you. He goes on to write, again, the, the, this intimate relationship he has, he's rec recording or recounting all of these conversations with Jesus. Jesus tells John and the disciples that the Holy Spirit will then come and remind you of everything Jesus has said in you, dwelling in you. Apparently the Holy Spirit will constantly whisper to you, reminding you who you are and the promises of our savior. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. This is a staggering claim. And if it's true, if God's close and I can hear him and I can say yes to him as king and accept his grace and adoption and kingship and recognize his voice, how come for many of us, this feels so freaking hard and challenging or not even really believable at all? So we're gonna explore all of this over um, the next couple of weeks in different ways. But first and foremost, I think it's helpful to remember that relationships grow in intimacy, or at least they can, which is directly linked to us learning how to hear what God is truly saying better and more clearly. To hear God's voice, we have to learn to listen and we have to learn how to listen. And listening's hard work. It's hard work. First, we have to ask, what is the loudest voice in my life? My prayer used to be as a follower of Jesus, God, will you speak to me? 
I very rarely pray that prayer anymore. Now it's, Lord, let your voice be the loudest voice. We too often leave God on the shelf until we need him. We make vows to submit our life and listen to Jesus, at least some of us out there who are followers of Jesus. And then we spend so much time excluding him from our awareness. We make Jesus Lord over our life in theory, but we do not make him Lord over, the, over most of the moments that make up our life. God invites us to be single-minded, which doesn't mean we have only one thing on our mind, but it does mean that we try to always include one thing on our mind to keep God front and center, recognizing that it's all a gift. And regardless of whatever else we may have on our mind, we are single-minded in a way that says everything we think and feel and do is done against the backdrop of God's ever-present, always-present love. God wants you to be aware of his presence, which helps lead you to a place and posture of listening. So first we can start, when we talk about hearing God, we can start with what's written. There's the scriptures. We can, you know, maybe for you, like opening the book of John. All right, so if this dude walked with Jesus and had all this deep connection and proximity to him, maybe I I could learn from him. Something God, I've found, he whispers to us through the scriptures. We can start with community. God often whispers through his people. Weaknesses and struggles and passions and dreams, God's speaking, whispering to us through every possible avenue. So again, we're asking the question, first, do I want to listen? And then it's, do I want to learn to listen? Because good conversation grows as we do. Maturity and experience are always linked to communication. If my wife and I get to our 40th wedding anniversary and we're still exactly where we were at our ninth Something is wrong. Why? Because relationships should grow. And listening is difficult and requires intentionality. Every season, there's a new communication hurdle for Corey and I. She's an internal processor. I'm an external one. I want to get all, everything out right away if there's conflict. She needs to collect herself, which can take a couple days. I get incredibly like lawyerly, if that's a word, in our conflicts. She hates debate. I write songs and poems and speak in big flowery language, and a big surprise to a lot of you. And words are just not her love language at all. There are times I struggle to understand where she's coming from and why she said what she said. And that's not because my wife is an alien. She just doesn't think or speak the same way I do. And the truth is that God does not think or speak the way I think or speak either. If I wanna hear him, I'm the one who might wanna consider changing. I think that we can be tempted. I know I can be tempted to treat God like I treat other people. We place ourselves at the center of the universe and demand that others and God adopt the way that we think and speak. And again and again in the scriptures, the first followers of Jesus seem completely incapable of understanding Jesus's clear messages because they have their own agenda that actually needs losing or they have an understanding of God, a theology that needs losing. And we're gonna get into that over the next couple of weeks. I mention this because deepening our relationship with God requires that we hop out of the conversational driver's seat. We can't fall into the temptation of speaking at God and not listening or believing that I don't have anything that God wants to hear. 
We can't go to him with my list and then assume something ridiculous about his character, that he's silent, for example, when I don't hear what I want. I think we need to learn how he talks, just like I have to learn how my wife talks and communicates. We need to share our heart. And remember that, like it says in Malachi 3, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it says in Hebrews. I, however, and I'm gonna assume you, change a ton and need to keep changing. God is the anchored and steady one who's always good. I'm the unfaithful and unsteady one who's almost, almost never totally in the right place. So maybe the first step to my hearing God is understanding that we need to grow, which makes sense. It's natural to have to grow in understanding, just like it's natural for a kid to have to learn how to communicate in their first years. And maybe it's not, let me pause and just say, maybe it's not your first years. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and you just thought something kind of automatic would happen. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. I was talking to a friend recently who just having these deep impulses and swelling of like gratitude or deep, like well, like a welling up of some uh, bigness or weight of the world or awe. And, and, And it kind of, it just sort of stops there. Don't know what to do with it. We, we, we have to recognize that conversation, listening, again, takes work. Dad doesn't learn to speak toddler, though he can understand it pretty well. Toddler learns to speak dad. To be clear, I'm toddler. God is dad. We're being invited to grow, to hear him more, to understand him better because he loves us. This makes sense, right? When I think about um, growing in my ability to hear and converse, or how my friend John says it, to hear the signal better through the noise, I always think of this passage in the book of James. It says that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Now stay with me here. I think this is a way of saying that someone who believes that the God who created the universe, who believes that God's at work here and now and speaking and leading, somebody who's open to that, somebody who's aware and who's listening, that person is going to be powerful. Their ability to listen is going to be incredible. Their alignment with the will of God is gonna be something good and true in the world. Now, as we begin to land this plane, before I I wrap up, I wanna speak to those that might be thinking, yeah, 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 I always knew that the problem was with me. I knew I wasn't good enough. I always find a way to mess everything up. Why would my relationship with God be any different? Can I just say, stop? Would you expect somebody married for five years to be able to communicate with his wife as though he'd been married for 40? Of course not. Would you expect a toddler just learning to walk, to run a marathon? Of course not. You jump up and down and you praise them when they make it from the coffee table to the couch. There's no shame and guilt in needing to grow because God is so humble and so unbelievably in love with us. Yes, including those of us who are unfaithful and hard-hearted, those of us who have all sorts of doubts and aren't sure what to make of all of this. He constantly climbs down to our level as he did in Jesus, speaking to us right where we are, even in the midst of our distorted or misguided agendas. 
This is such a huge part of the story of the way of Jesus and one of the many things that make this whole way of thinking completely unique from any other thought system or faith system. God's condescension in a positive way to us. So, what now? I want to leave you with two words if you're taking notes. Place and posture. Say that with me or like write it in the chat. Place and posture. First, find a place to listen. In the scripture, we're invited to pray on mountaintops and privately and in community and on rooftops, anywhere. Where's your chair, your porch, like your surfboard? Like begin with a place. Because you can pray anywhere, but just like date night in my house, there is a setting and an environment that lends itself to better conversation. Two, posture, adjusting your posture. Is your posture one of expectancy and faith? And I'm excited to share this with you because I had a little breakthrough on this this week. Like, do you believe that God will speak? Do you believe that the whisper of God can change everything? Now, whenever I've heard anybody say anything like this, my first thought is, yeah, this is confirmation bias. But it's actually something more because expectation changes your posture. I can come to a conversation with my wife, Corey, in different ways, right? I can come to her with very different attitudes, with very different postures. I can come with an assumption that I know what she's gonna say with a lazy, apathetic kind of attitude. I ask, how was your day? And just dial out because no one's ever done that before, right? Or I can believe that there's, inf- like the scriptures say, there's infinite depth to her, that she's worth knowing, that I can come with curiosity and expectancy for what she has. I, I can come like, uh, with a-, a posture that is like ready and excited to hear from her. Faith will set the basis for what you hear. So have a posture that inclines your ear toward God. And if you're there and you're like a skeptic, you're listening to all this, like, what's the harm? Like, try it. Throughout the scriptures, actually, there's this regular rhythm of people being invited into the community of faith and going, hey, begin to like live this out. We believe that generosity and love and laying down your life, like this is a better way to live honoring and blessing and being full of hope in this particular way is a better way to live. Come and try it. And you see over and over in the scriptures and throughout church history, this process of like confirming one's faith where people go, I've been living amongst you for a long time. And I've come to realize that this Jesus in this way is something more than just some sort of human construct. This at least in some ways seems to be what happened with Gandhi when he encountered like the nonviolent movement when Leo Tolstoy introduced him to the way of Jesus. I digress. I've noticed Corey and I are inclined, we talk about inclination. Corey and I are inclined, for instance, to hear our little girl's voices, even when we're asleep. There's like a thing in my heart or in my head or in my hearing or whatever, that's like aware of their presence. When they are under my roof, I sleep differently than when I'm traveling. I'm a pretty deep sleeper no matter what, but the slightest cry, their cry in particular, because I can pretty much sleep through anything. But if it's their cry, I'm up, I'm up. Is your heart inclined toward God? When it comes to listening to God, your expectation changes everything, everything. So 
close, what if you ask God, the, the, the Holy Spirit that, that dwells within us, that, that comes to remind us of all that Jesus said, that whispers to us? What if you were to ask the Spirit to fill your heart in a fresh way today? What if you ask God to tell your heart again about how you belong to him? Maybe today you could ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and ears to how he's working. Maybe you could ask God to help you see what he's trying to shape in you and to open your ears and heart to these powerful shaping words. And here's my guess. Is that as you begin to look back on your life, just as John did, you'll begin to have those moments when you're like, wow, that was God speaking to me the entire time and I just didn't get it until now. I'm telling you that God is speaking his formative words over you from so many angles, but you're just, maybe, maybe you're just not hearing them yet, but you will. You'll recognize his patterns. You'll learn his language. You'll figure this out and you'll grow. Maybe what we need to do is simply lean in to draw close and to turn some things off. In the scriptures, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Maybe he whispers because he's so close. Why would he yell? Because the whisper is the voice that you make with, with someone that you're intimate and connected with. I was working on this sermon uh, a couple days ago. I was at home and I was sitting on a bed and my oldest daughter, Harper, came in. And she came to me and just said, Dad, can you please come and play with me? Now, this was time I had set apart to work, but she kept asking. And so I kept saying, one minute, one minute. I really did want to play with her. I said it about half a dozen times. And finally, she comes back in, grabs my hand and just says, Dad. I go, yeah, Harper, I know, one minute. She goes, no. Look, this is how you do it. Turn your phone off, turn your computer off, and play with me. I smiled. I took one more note, which was writing down what she had just said to me. And then I closed my computer. May we not forget the intimate, eternal conversation between creator and creation. And may we be drawn by his whisper that we might hear and retune our senses. Peace be with you.